It's time to strap in for another edition of the Cars Guide podcast, the show that takes you beyond the test drive. This is episode number 222, the Richie Benno episode, Choo Choo Choo. What annoys us about modern cars? What annoys us most about modern cars? I'm Cars Guide Deputy Editor James Cleary, and joining me in looking at the features and functions that drive us nuts, uh, Managing Editor, Head of Video, Matt Campbell. Hello, everyone. And key contributing journalist, Steve Otley. Hey, thanks for having me. We'll also take a look at the fresh metal we've been driving this week and dive into your feedback. YouTubers, you can jump ahead to each annoyance we'll be talking about and each section of the show via the time codes in the notes or chapter markers in the timeline. So let's get after it. Matt, you posted a Facebook poll uh, this week asking people to vote on a set of pet peeves coming from the editorial team about modern cars. And the response was so strong with literally thousands of votes. Yeah. It, it stood up as a red hot topic for, for the podcast. So we're going to each cough up with the things that annoy us most and see where we get to kind of one each around the panel. But Matt, kick us off by telling us about the poll and then hit us with your first annoyance. Okay. So it was on our YouTube community uh, post. So uh, if you're not a YouTube subscriber, you might not have seen it. But if you are, uh, thank you for subscribing. Um, and if you're not, subscribe, please. So then you can get in on the app. Um, so I just put up, um, this was a week ago. Uh, we have a few pet peeves in the Cars Guide offices, but what annoys you most? Um, and so I, I chose a few things that you know, I think are annoying and I've noticed other people point out as annoying in our team um, being halogen headlights and or halogen daytime running lights as the first option, an actual key for the actual ignition uh, being another thing, um, fake exhaust tips or worse exhaust shaped bits on EVs, which uh, garnered the highest uh, percentage of votes. It was 45% of people think that that was uh, the most annoying thing. Then there's slow electric boot operation, or other. And in the other section, I put comment below and we had 75 comments from people right, uh, whinging right. about things that annoy them about modern day cars. So, Unreal. Yeah, we've had a good response. That's good. So kick us off with the first one on that list. Well, it's it's my one. Uh, yeah. Halogen headlights and or <laughs> halogen daytime running lights. Um, I look at modern day Mazdas in particular uh, that run uh, LED headlight and a halogen daytime running light, which is the reverse of what a lot of the other brands do. Uh, they have an LED daytime running light or a halogen headlight. Um, Hyundai and Kia have been uh, known to do this uh, with a lot of their new cars that have come out. Like you look at a Kia Stonic, for example, um, no, Stonic, Seltos. Uh, the Seltos has got the top spec model is the only one with LED lights. Um, and the lower grade models have halogen lights and halogen daytime running lights. And it just cheapens the look of the car, it dates it. Um, I think LED lighting, not only is it more aesthetically pleasing um, and does capture the attention of pedestrians. And that's why daytime running lights were designed so that the pedestrians on the street could see a car coming because, you know, cars can be grey and get lost in the road or lost in traffic and you walk out in front of a car and if you don't see that it's got a light shining at you and an LED light is typically a lot brighter and a lot crisper and sharper and more noticeable, um, that's why these things exist. And the LED lights also, not only are they good looking and safer, they are better at lighting up the road ahead of you. And there is a downside to the LED 
daytime running lights in that you often see people driving around at night who have just the running lights on because um, they've got the car on the the switch for the yeah. lights is on the lowest setting rather than on auto or whatever it might need to be. Yeah. Um, and Idiots. You know, I've done that many times. Yeah, I've done yeah. it too. Uh, <laughs> you do it, but then you're driving on the freeway and you're like, Every, everything's dark. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> so, that's right. That's and right. then you turn on the halogen headlights and you go, everything's still dark. Dark. <laughs> oh. you, you know what? I'd be wow. willing, I'd take a small wager that LED lights now are probably cheaper to produce than halogen lights. Well, I guess well. that would be that would be my uh, counterpoint to that. Um, is I guess a lot of it is driven by cost, right? If they yeah. can just make it a little bit cheaper for those base models, uh, you know, that's one of those cost savers. And I guess because if you think about it from a from an automotive point of view, you're sitting inside the car, so you're not looking at the headlights. Mm-hmm. So, but know, I, I think it's one of those things. Probably think they can sneak through. Yeah. Where the perceived the perceived value is high, but the actual cost to the manufacturer, I reckon, is getting yeah. lower by the minute. I so they can what... still charge a premium for LEDs, but it's probably not costing a lot. Yeah. I wonder what the um, stockpile is like for halogen lights, and that's why we, we still get them. And you know, like one of it's the just comments... a mountain of halogen headlights yeah. somewhere yeah. in Thailand. <laughs> one of the comments um, on the poll was that um, LED lights should be standard. They should be a, a like an ADR, um, and you know I tend to agree. I think that um, the, the existing lighting technology that's been around since candles um, is is just not good enough. Yeah, well, there's anyway. a federal election rolling around, uh, Matt. Maybe so I'll, maybe you'll I... stand on the halogen light party. I just want to point out that I didn't need this poll to know that this was Matt's pet peeve because I've, spe- <laughs> I've spent right. I've spent more than five minutes with him, uh, and it doesn't right. take that much longer than that to. For this to come up that's that's Thanks, a good steve. start that's a good start steve we'll move to yourself what's your first one off the rank um well keen cars guide readers will know this because i wrote an opinion piece about it only a few weeks ago so feel free to check that out buttons the lack of a physical button this um this move towards you know this great irony of um we're trying to make cars safer and, get, and make them more integrated with your smartphone because we don't want people playing with their phones when they're driving because that's very dangerous. So we basically make the car's infotainment system a giant phone. Oh. So it's a touch screen. So you've got yes. to physically look at what you're touching. You can't just like do it by, you know, sense and touch. And, you know, the old, like, you know, you, so many cars now, like just to turn up the volume on the stereo, you've got to go into a touchscreen or, you know, like it's, I think it's interesting. It's interesting. There has been, I think a little bit of a kickback in this late in the last few years. I think some brands went a little bit too far and realized, Oh, okay. Well, we definitely need to have a volume button, you know, a, a play pause, button. you know, some, there's certain buttons that people really, really want, yes. but um, overall, yes. like there's just, there's just been too many, Cars that look like it's 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 like the desi- it's the designers it's the designers winning the day, isn't it? And the, and the yeah. double the double whammy in terms of audio is when you've got a slider on the screen for volume over here and a little slider on the steering wheel as well. Like you yeah. just you can't get well, away from it. I mean, this mm. is the the I guess the ultimate example of this is gesture control. You know, which you said like BMW, I think has been you know to single someone out. <laughs> they they went down this path of gesture control, which just doesn't make sense. Mm-hmm. Like it, 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 like it is one of those things that car companies figured that they could do, yep. but didn't stop and think, should we do this? Because and it, that'll yeah, feature, yeah, sorry, yeah, because you're you're looking at you know like to turn up 
the volume, you've got your hands on the steering wheel and to turn up the volume, you take your hand off the steering wheel and spin it around in circles like, a, like a, you look like an idiot when you could just literally move your thumb to yep. a button that's already on the steering wheel. Like, yep. And the message, the message that you get, the message that you get when you adjust the volume will probably feature in another P that we'll get to shortly. Yeah, like um, it's silly. So, look, sorry, Can Matt. Go for also, it. there's, there's, it's not just the designers winning the day; it's the bean counters winning the day because screens yeah. are cheaper than buttons. Yeah. Um, so that's part of the reason is that so many things are put through screens now is because it's cheaper to do it that cheaper way. Cheaper to do it. Run a yeah. computer. Run a screen. You know, the screen should have a, a life of seven to ten years. Um, yeah well that's the life of a car these days so, yeah, yeah that's the thing i don't want to i wouldn't there's not too many there's some some modern cars i would not want to own in 30 years 40 years yeah. it's like you're gonna yeah. need you're gonna need a, a, a computer science degree to fix them <laughs> all right well uh, on a, I'll, I'll kick in with uh, a more general kind of philosophical view that says the car is in control and yeah. uh I'll, I'll nominate three examples headlights okay i want to turn the lights off or on the car says, oh, no, you don't. In fact, no, you can't. Yeah. Um, tailgate, I want to open it when the engine's running. Oh, no, you don't. Yeah, no, you In fact, yeah. no, you can't. Yeah. Um, engine, I want to turn it on with the door open. Oh, no, you don't. In fact, no, you can't. Just that yeah. kind of, I've got the controls here, not you. Now, the upside of that is that there are various safety items that will, will save your life, you know, yeah. and it's the car is in control. But it's the little day-to-day detail things that I find um, numbingly frustrating. Just, oh, I can't believe this is the case. That yeah. kind of stuff. The, um, yeah. There's another example uh, when there's some um, Hyundais, I believe. It's mainly Hyundais. Might be in a few other brands as well. But um, if you try and put the car into drive or, uh, you know, to drive away and you don't have a seatbelt on, which is a good safety measure, but if you are just moving your car 30 centimeters in your driveway at home you have to put your seatbelt on so that you can and you got to make sure the door's shut <laughs> that's another thing if you if the door's open the car won't go into drive the yeah. electronic park brake won't disengage so these are all that it's safety primarily and they mm. can sell it as a safety message but mm. it's also inconvenience and lowest yeah. common denominator yeah 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 which quite frankly like you know i just moved a car the other day with you know door open just turned it on, rolled it forward like, you know, yeah, 30 centimetres. Um, if I'd have driven off down the street with the door wide open, I'm not sure I should have a driver's license. I think it's one of those things where at a certain point it's like, yeah. you know, like there has to be, there has to be, yeah, a certain level of, uh, you know, control that the, that the person has to take, responsibility. You know? Maybe yeah. this is a future podcast episode of how Australians are some of the worst drivers. <laughs> Whoa. Okay, let's keep moving Zing. on. Um, Matt, number two. Um, okay, my number two was hard elbow rests. So there's a lot of cars um, in the lower uh, price segments that um, they, they don't have padding on the bits where you'd put your elbows. So mm. there's there's not, not I, I can't not really just the lower, not just the lower end of this, like just not there's, just cheap cars. Yeah, there's there's Volkswagens yeah. and Audis with mm. hard door cards on the back, on the back doors in particular. And if you're a backseat passenger, um, you know, if you're an adult, you might find it annoying. And I can un- sort of understand it from a if you've got kids, it's going to be easier to wipe down a hard surface than it is mm. something that's cushy and padded. Um, but even so, if you've well, got kids, 
kids have elbows as well, and they yeah. might want to rest them. Um, and like, thought, you're not you're not wrapping these things in velour. Like, as, <laughs> you, you, there's, there are wipeable, soft materials that you can have on there to protect. Yes, you. it is yes. a cost cutting elbows. measure. Yeah. There's no doubt about it. How many times have we sat in a car that's got a different door trim finish in the back door? To the front door and this is a typical sure. european cost-cutting measure yeah. um and it it is it's really annoying um and you know there are cars out there that have hard um door card or elbow pads on the front door cards as well uh, i think some of the cheaper kias and hyundai's might still have them um and it like i had a hyundai venue that i'm fairly sure had it and it was like why you know really? Yeah, it I must, remember going to the, the three cents to put the VF. There was a, a kind of a long lead launch for VF Commodore at the Lang Lang Proving Ground. I remember getting in it and putting my elbow onto the pad, and you could feel the little gridded plastic support piece oh, wow. underneath the padding through the elbow. And I said to him, "Hey, uh, what about this? You know, my elbow's hit. what?" And it was it was like it came as a surprise. Mm. But as that car <clears throat> arrived, it was heaps better. Mm. Yeah, well, that was the the Mustang. Famously, that was one of the the main midlife updates, upgrades was putting more soft touch material in the cabin Around on the cabin. you know on those touch yep. on the, like Matt's saying like on the elbow, like yep. really honing in on the areas that your you know your yep. body touches, so that it, it created a better you know a sense of quality. Yeah. Cool. Now, Steve. Mm. We'll move on to you. Thank yes. you, Matt. We're, we're, you've been running a poll of your own. A family member has been um, taking up the, uh, the 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 cudgels here. Well, Tell us um, about it. Yeah, my 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 daughter is in the early stages of uh, beginning her motor journalism career. Um, she gives a review on every glove box uh, of every car. You know, now that she's old enough to sit in the front seat. Perfect. Um, and really, glove boxes live up to their name. They can basically, some of these glove boxes, you'd be, honestly be lucky to get a set of gloves into. They are so tiny. They are, yeah. you know, particularly, you know, you get these phone book uh, manuals that take that are stored there and your leftover space is, is almost non-existent, you know? Like yes. they used to be, you know, a practical storage alternative, you know? Like it was somewhere you could stow things. And now they're really just, that's where the manual goes and that's it. You know, the, the funniest one I realized lately was I had a Hyundai Staria load, you know, with its cavernous uh, storage area. And then you open the glove box and it's absolutely tiny. Like wow. it's so bizarre that they've just, you know, such an enormous car can have such a tiny glove box. And a commercial vehicle. Yeah. You'd have your receipt book. You've got yep. you've got everything in there, and I wonder if in passenger cars, the now almost ubiquitous little box between the front seats with the lid on it, talking of armrests, yeah. if it's if it's almost usurped the role of the glove box, and the glove box is a bit of an afterthought. To a degree, I mean, think you know, the, the irony for me is, you know, I've got an old, I've got a nineteen eighty two Alfa Romeo that has Alfa Sud. It's this little small hatchback, and its glove box is pretty small. Mm. But it's still probably more practical than most modern yeah. glove boxes because yeah. I remember though the, some the, space. The trick is in the name. It was a compartment was, yeah. for gloves, and compartment <laughs> is what the Americans might. Uh, they might not yeah. know what a glove box is. Steve's daughter has game. massive gloves. Yeah, in winter she's got those huge those baseball gloves. You know? yeah, 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 yeah. yeah. Catches me. The big phone. Exactly. No, the big phone mitts for the yeah, shearing. Yeah. yeah, no. Well, the um. But yeah, I mean, it's just. I think. I think it's. It's one of those things where, look. Yes, it's a. 
in in technically speaking, it is a glove box. But I think for a mm. lot of people, it's a, you know, like in the defense of Star, it does have other small item storage around mm. around the cabin, and there is room for it. But you know, it's 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 not just that. It's m- most modern cars have really small glove boxes or glove compartments, and it's and it you know it seems like just a missed opportunity to add yeah. something to I got- to the practicality i got one thing to say about it i had also on our youtube community asked um, people what they wanted to know about my long-term kia sportage mm. and one guy was very specific about what he wanted to know um what he could fit into the glove compartment and wow interesting it, it was a box of tissues um and also some plastic knives and forks and some baby wipes and something else and you know everything fit except the box of tissues so unless you get one of those little tiny packets yep. of uh, yeah, tissue to take with you. Yeah, it's a pretty limited story. I think thing. that's what people like to use that stuff for. You know, yeah. you like mm-hmm. to have mm-hmm. little bits and bobs. Mm-hmm. I think a lot of my mates use it as a very convenient hidden from view garbage bin, um, which <laughs> yeah. is also uh, super handy. Now, <laughs> I'll um, keep it going. I'm going to hit on lane keep assist. Now, valid, valid function. I'm not really talking about the validity of the technology. I'm talking about how it's applied. And sometimes it's just a little bit too strong. And I can think of, uh, just to single out a couple, I can think of VW Touareg. And uh, recently I drove the BMW M440i X-Drive Grand Coupe. And the lane departure warning function was just too quick to intervene. And it was overly intrusive when it did it. So you can turn the steering wheel intervention function off and you can dial down the steering wheel vibration warnings too. So invariably it's adjustable. I, I get that, but sometimes yeah. it's just so intrusive, it's hard to live with. Uh, yeah, I 100% agree. I think, I mean, the best example I can give is probably most modern Hyundai's and Kia's. Their, their system is, too, particularly that that lane keeping, it's far too intrusive. Like it, it yeah. constantly wants to move you around the lane. Mm. And I think I think the key is it's great technology. It's great. It's a great safety addition, and it's great that they've put it in there. But when you apply it incorrectly, and people just switch it off. Well, then yes. you may, it's, it's effectively it it's, it doesn't exist, right? So, you're so right. you have to if you're gonna if you're gonna do, like you know, there's a reason seatbelts are really thin, and you know, there's a reason why we don't put on a five point motor racing harness, right? Because that's that would be far safer, but it's mm. inconvenient, and people so people wouldn't use it, you know. Mm. So yeah. that's why they came up with the three point lap slash belt that we have right so you have to apply safety in such a way that people will uh accept it and use it properly you know like that and that so by you know when they mess it up great point we've got um, defeating. we've got a, a, a new family reviewer starting soon um that uh, if you're on youtube uh, you will see some new video content from a new face very soon, but uh, she's called out um, some some vehicles in particular, a Kia, uh, with a lane keeping assist that uh, she found to be a little yeah. unnerving. Um, yeah, yeah. And you know, for for people who aren't experienced drivers, who maybe are new uh, drivers, you know, L platers or P platers, or um, just just on their full license and they're getting a brand new car and they've got all the safety gear, and then all of a sudden they feel like they have to fight the car to keep it where they think it should be in the lane. Yeah. It can be disconcerting. And you're, yeah. you're exactly right, Steve. Yeah. Fine tuning is the key. Uh, it needs to be well, right. Otherwise yeah. it's wrong. Yeah. 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 Otherwise well, it just, just didn't get used. Yeah. Yeah. And it's not, I don't think it's just, I don't think it's just P platers and stuff. I think, it, I think if you, you know, we, we, we are used to this technology because we're jumping out of new cars all the time. But if you're coming from a car that's five years old, that didn't have this tech, all of a sudden your car wants to, 
pretty confronting. Yourself, yeah. yeah, yeah, yeah. All right, now that's good, an excellent one, Matt. Your third that's and me. final, third okay. and final. Uh, it's it's kind of a it's one that is it's an age limited. old one. It's it's a very limited problem, probably. But then again, I think about my parents who have a uh, Toyota Hilux and a Citroen DS3. So when pretty Dad, standard Australian garage that one. Yeah, yeah. they're Dad, the people that bought it. Yeah. <laughs> so one of the very few. <laughs> big, that's a bit uh, cruel. When Dad jumps into the Citroen, he always whinges that the blinkers are on the wrong side. Or if Mum jumps into the Hilux, the blinkers are on the wrong side. And we jump in as motoring journalists. We jump into any car that we've ever driven and jump into something that's different well, the next day. The let's just say the, the, win- the windscreens on those cars are very clean. Yeah, yeah, <laughs> yes. <laughs> yeah, yeah. It is very easy to uh, mistakenly hit the uh, the windscreen wipers instead of the blinkers or indicators. Um, so that's my my third and final. Um, probably not that big of a deal, really. You do get used to it once you live with a car for I don't know three or four days. You should be able to figure it out. Um, but then again, uh, I still jump into my Sportage long termer and accidentally hit the indicator or the wiper, depending on what I've been driving before. Or absolutely, after, so. absolutely. All right, thank you. Now, Steve, yes. hit, us with, hit us with your third one. Okay, I've actually got to throw a curveball here because I know we discussed this pre-show, but just sitting here, uh, I remembered one that actually is probably one of my greatest pet peeves, uh, you know, because we touched on the fake uh, exhaust tips on electric vehicles. Mm-hmm. One of the things that really bothers me about modern electric vehicles, particularly bespoke electric vehicles, is the giant box they put in the boot to store the cable. Righto. Right? It's a car designed spe- to specifically to have a cable that will charge it. I'm thinking, I mean, por- Porsche Taycan. Right. You open the boot to that thing, and there is a box the size of two phone books. If people remember, sorry for young audiences, phone books are like a large... <laughs> uh, it's a really large book yeah. full of phone numbers. That's um, sat under the phone that no one yeah. has, no one yeah. has anymore as well. Yeah. You know what I mean? Like they have to have these giant boxes that store the cable. It's like, did you not think to find somewhere to integrate the cable into the boot? Like it just, it's one of those things that I just like, it, it's like, I get it if it's say something like the Kona electric, because that was originally designed to be a petrol car and they kind of back engineered it to reverse engineered it to, to be an electric car. But a bespoke electric car, and it's not just a Taycan. I think it's the same with there's, there's several electric vehicles I've driven that have that giant box in the boot just sucking up space. Like it's Great. so bizarre. Um, Tung Nguyen Great. just drove the BMW i4 in Europe, and he was amazed that there was nowhere to store the cables for that car. Yeah. Like, so they were dangling in the mesh netting on the side of the boot. Like wow. they just wave around. Like, you know, if you if anyone has uh, purchased one of those cables um, to buy just the regular one that you plug into a normal point to um, a Type Two charger, they're like five hundred bucks. Yeah. Wow. So yeah, you don't right. want them getting damaged, uh, and you don't want to have to replace them. Yeah. 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 So like, okay. yeah, I, yeah. It's just That's bizarre. Good. Like, yeah. That's good. All right. Now I'll uh, I'll finish it off. It's it's increasingly the case that uh, modern cars, I mean, it's hard to find a car that doesn't have connectivity for Apple CarPlay and Android Auto. And that function for mine is brilliant. I love it because you're immediately got access to all of those apps and things, or well, most of the apps that are on your phone, you can bring up through CarPlay um, and it's super easy. But I, I really detest a flaky, fluky connection 
it all of a sudden feels like we're all beta testers, you know, that this mm. thing, this isn't finished. This technology has just been put out there, you know, turn the car off and it's square one on restart. You know, you've, you've previously connected the phone and it's all working beautifully. Turn the car off, start it up again. It's like, what? Mm. It, it doesn't go from where it was before. Different behavior at different times. Yeah. At one point, it's working really well. Then for some unknown reason, another point, it's not. Occasional pig-headed refusal to cooperate, you know, just, and, and I suppose similar um, to yours, Matt, you're moving from, from car to car. It's a problem for, for people that are doing that because there are different systems here and there. So, well, yeah, I, well, see, this is the thing. I just uh, got out of a long-term Volkswagen, you know, had it for three months and thought, okay, this is an opportunity to see how this stuff works on a daily basis and assumed that once you paired my phone to the system, to Android Auto, it would just be smooth sailing. Right. But there were multiple times when it just didn't work. It's like, yeah. I'm not working today. I'm, I'm taking yeah. today off because I, I just don't feel like working. Yeah. So you just say, it's, yeah, it just becomes... International uh, Android Day. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> I had the same thing with the Skoda long-termer, Steve, that, yeah. um, you know, the tech problems with that car were enough to make me say, well, you know, I wouldn't buy this with my own money. Yeah, you know, right, so right. and it, it is it's it's that important these days to have everything at your fingertips because yeah. everybody's always connected to their phones. And well, you know, uh, when uh, it doesn't well, work, well, yeah, and it's, again, it's try it's trying to be safe. It's trying to add a level of safety. So you're not looking at your phone. Instead, you're looking at your your effectively inbuilt car iPad, mm-hmm. um, which is arguably not any more safer. But it's it's. You know, again, it's that safety is supposed to make it easier. And so when it doesn't work, it's actually making life because harder. Because from, from an active safety point of view, what you're trying to do is lower the temperature in the cars. You're trying to make it everything as fluid and easy as possible. Yeah. So if yeah. something becomes a massive speed bump and you're frustrated and you're trying to get it work, that's quite dangerous. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Yeah, yeah, yeah. You'll All forgive right. me if I'm not ready for computers to start driving cars. <laughs> they can't <laughs> even. Right, look- they can't even operate the stereo. Yeah. We had we had others. We had um, we had about um, too many warnings, boot releases, oh, yeah. all that stuff. We're not going to go there. We'll we'll see Fair what enough. people make of it themselves, and uh, we'll we'll get your feedback on it all. But that's that's our round of whinges about uh, modern cars, <laughs> um, and we're we're now going to move to our garage, more modern cars. Um, and Steve, can I kick it off with you, please? What have sure. you been driving this week? Uh, I have got the Genesis G70 shooting brake um, in the driveway this week. Uh, obviously, it's the, um, I guess, the South Korean version of a three series touring. Uh, starts at $79,000, which is a not insignificant $16,000 more than the equivalent uh, sedan, G70 sedan. Uh, it's got a two liter, four cylinder turbocharged engine, 179 kilowatts, 353 newton meters. Um, so yeah, it's 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 a punchy little number. Like it's got it's got uh, you know plenty of grunt. It's a bit noisy for a luxury car. It feels a bit more like a hot hatch. Um, mm. It looks good. It's a I stylish, think it looks um, it looks magnificent. It's a great looking wagon. Yeah. yeah. But it's good looking probably at the expense of actual practicality. Like, yeah. you know, as with the G70 sedan, rear legroom is not great. Like really, yeah. frankly, quite poor. And uh-huh. then obviously the boot is, you know, not as big as you're going to get in, in, a, in a more conventional wagon as opposed to sort of like sleeker shooting brake design. I so, can fix yeah. it all yeah. by putting a roof pod on top of it and it looks sick. <laughs> Wow. Right. Well, so, roof, I mean, yeah. A roof pod aficionado. Roof yeah, pod. but then you can put your kids in the pod. Oh, okay. <laughs> yeah, right. 
Oh, you just put a slot out the front and put two <laughs> picks in there so they can yeah, they can strip down. Screen. Yeah. Screen so they don't get bugs splatter. Well, I'll tell them they're, they're, they're like they're doing luge. <laughs> yeah, that's it. Skeleton, yeah. whatever that one. What's is it? Skeleton is head Skeleton's first. And... Skeleton's head first, I think. Yeah. yeah, that's nice. Well, they can swap. They can mix it up. They can <laughs> train for both. So in in summation, a little bit pricey. Uh, looks great. Practicality suffers a bit. Yeah. Would you? Did you enjoy it? Yeah, I, I think it's. I think it's one of those uh, cars for Genesis that sort of stands out. It's different, and I think that's what Genesis cool. needs to try and do. Is just be yep. a little bit yep. different. Very good. Very good, Matt. Can we move on to yourself, please? You've been yep. in. A Japanese product this time around. Tell us about it. Yeah, a car that doesn't really stand out that much because uh, a lot of people drive them. It's Toyota <laughs> Rav4. Um, the 2022 update is the one I've been driving. So some minor um, styling adjustments for it, new headlight inlays, new LED fog lights. Uh, not much has changed on the inside. Um, a couple of little things here and there, but not worth talking about. Uh, the Still got the eight-inch touchscreen, which is uh, feeling and looking a little old by modern standards, um, but still uh, with the choice of that amazing hybrid powertrain, which yep. we all know is a real-world efficiency leader. Um, and, uh, yeah, there's, there's more hybrid models this time around. There's an XSE grade, which is the mid-spec between GXL and Cruiser. Um, two hybrid versions of that car and also a top spec hybrid edge so uh, not yeah. just a petrol offering at the top um, i drove the gxl hybrid all-wheel drive personally i think that i would go for an xse two-wheel drive because i don't think i need all-wheel drive all the time um, and yeah the the xse seems like it's got the right amount of kit for the money um, it's got fake leather it's got a um, remote um, electric boot so, you know, it's, there's a few little things that are a bit more upmarket than a GXL. Mm-hmm. But having said that, you know, there's, there's an, the, a RAV4 for pretty much anyone who wants a RAV4, except there's no diesel, it's... there's no plug-in hybrid, there's no full electric. So there's still some things that aren't... <laughs> apart, yet, from that, but, apart from that. Apart from that. Yeah, yeah. those six, seven things. That's, that's yeah, great. Yeah. Um, but cr- correct, really, me really mis- correct me if I'm mistaken, but this is, I don't think... Toyota's offered an XSE variant before, have they? That's a that's an Americanism. They've had that for years in America. Oh, really? Yeah. Okay. Yeah, yeah, sort of is. the Americanification of of t- t- a Toyota Australia. I wonder oh. how long until we see an SEL, uh, mm. which is another Americanism. So wow. I don't know. I, I think it's just um, a, a way to fill the gap with something that's a new name that um, you know stands out, and it is yep. an interesting offering. So um, cool. Read and watch my review at at YouTube, at the site. It's all there. Absolutely. Absolutely, of course. All right. Thank you, Matt. I'll wrap it up with Ford Everest Sport. So it's this one with the bi turbo uh, dual turbo engine and 4x4, um, $64,390. So it's the two-litre twin-turbo diesel, 10-speed auto, uh, 157 kilowatts, 500 newton metres, and that kicks off from 1750 RPM uh, in typical turbo fashion. It's a seven-seater. I like the fact that it has tons of torque, lots of room, uh, although it's a big climb for little kids. There are side steps on the car that I tested, but it is quite high to get up and into. Uh, the electric third row is always welcome, auto tailgate. It's well-equipped. It's comfy. Um, good AC to the second and third rows, I noticed as well. Vents in the roof, and it really blows uh, well. Good ventilation through a big car. Um, the dislikes I had, it's quite noisy. Mm-hmm. Um, the front seats, you've got leather, uh, partial leather, and that's nice. But the front seats, I noticed moving around a lot. Like oh, it really? just wasn't super supportive in terms of keeping you located. 
And that's partly to do with the body control on the car. It, it does feel, it's not ponderous, but you, you get that sense that there's a lot of mass moving when you're turning the car. Steve? Uh, yeah, it's funny, actually. I uh, drove a Ever, uh, Everest Trend very recently yep. and was kind of taken aback because I got into it out of a Ranger. I was taken aback by just how much better it is to drive than a, than even the Ranger, right? They've, they've, okay. Like it could be anything, any regular Ranger, not the Raptor, obviously, which, which yep. has that better suspension. But I... I I was surprised. Obviously, it's getting replaced later this year. Yeah. Um, I was surprised. I, I, because it's been, it's obviously right at the end of its life. I still think it's a great SUV for someone who really wants an off road. Like, if you've got it, it's, it's, you know, oh, yeah. it's the type of, the type of car if you, you plan to do a couple of camping trips a year. Yeah. Like, and you want to get seriously off road, but don't really want to compromise or you want to compromise your day-to-day stuff a bit less. You know, it does oh, feel, cool. doesn't feel, like you say, it doesn't feel ponderous. It obviously doesn't feel like you're no. driving a Mustang, but it, it, it's, you know, Focus ST. It, it's a big vehicle, but I yeah. think they've done a good job of combining capability with sort of everyday livability for such a big car. Okay, that's cool. Good call. Um, yeah. Good good uh, feedback. I, the other thing I thought was it, the car I drove is deep crystal blue, which is a super dark blue. In fact, in even in half-light, it starts to look black. Um, oh. It's so dark. And it had black rims on it. And I just wasn't sold on that combination. Yeah. I probably would have gone with white or something. So totally subjective. But yeah. I think to sum up, I reckon it's a pretty cool-looking family truck star. But the sport, to your point, Steve, is probably more about the camping or the water skiing, yeah. not not the actual driving. It's yeah. it's the car that will get you out there in, yeah. into the sporty stuff. Yeah. 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 Okay. That's good. Now we will move to feedback and it's the comment of the week on top of the shipping container at the front of the car's guide forecourt, surrounded with bunting and balloons and the waving, the waving men. So wacky waving man. Wacky yeah. waving man. Inflatable arm tube guy. <laughs> yeah. Now it's it's our old mate Hammer Rocks, and his love affair with Crafty continues because he said <laughs> Crafty hit the nail right on the head with Jimny and 70 series. Now, this is because last week we were talking about uh, cars that sell well but maybe shouldn't. <laughs> um, and he said Crafty hit the nail on the head with the Jimny and 70 series he's a fan of both particularly the 70 but I'll be the first to admit given its price point the LC70 is terrible value for money not all that comfortable in stock form and lacks safety features only thing going for it is its reliability durability and high resale value and the used car market the LC70 is the same is in the same price bracket as the LC200 and the latter is an automatic. The LC200 pretty much trumps the LC70 in all areas, except if you needed a ute or solid front axles. Other vehicles to put on the list, worst cars selling well, are the BMW X4 and X6. They have less cargo space than the X3 and X5 siblings. And that backsloping roofline doesn't look all that attractive. They're basically high-riding sedans. So uh, that was his contribution to this. Yeah, stuff. he's right about the X4s and X6s, but that's the truth of any coupe-style SUV. And I would say that um, or, or anyone shooting, who's... Or shooting brake. Anyone who's bought a 70 Series, um, typically they buy it because it's a 70 Series. Uh, totally. yep, yep, I know that it's yep. um, expensive, but... If you're buying half a million kilometres of trouble-free motoring, um, especially on farms or totally. in the bush, it's or a, it's or a great episode. Out. Great episode of Outback Ringers on the ABC with a seventy series with the big hook that comes out around the kind of cow's neck. Yeah. That's a hard working truck. Yeah, you know, yeah. you know what you're getting. Yeah, right? yeah, yeah. it's a bit like totally McDonald's. Did. You know what totally you're going to get. Yeah, yeah, yeah. All right. Well, that's good feedback. Thank you, Hammer. And with that, we've reached the finish line. So it's time to say thank you, Steve. Thank you. 
And thank you, Matt. Thank you. And thanks to our chief robot whisperer, rocket recovery technician, and after hours dance monkey, Mr. Pritchard, for his commitment to the Cars Guide podcast cause. Today, he's wearing a T-shirt saying, Russian dolls, they're so full of themselves. (laughs) Oreo pants and croissant loafers. Incredible. Uh, Join into the conversation. Cars Guide's on Facebook and Instagram or email us at comments at carsguide.com.au. Apple Podcast listeners, please take a moment to rate and review the show. Five is the preferred number of stars. Thank you. Sure. You're fine. Um, if you, okay. <laughs> if, you, if you enjoyed the episode, make sure to subscribe to the Cars Guide YouTube channel so you can stay on top of all our latest content. But before we go, look, a question. Mm. Um, at 2.20 a litre, are you sweating when fueling up your car? Feeling nauseous when approaching the console operator to pay for it? If the answer is yes, sadly, you're contra- you've contracted the car owner virus. Oh. It's very topical, that one. It's very topical. <laughs> it is topical. Thank you. Points Good. for that.